Welcome to the Coffee with COVID-19 podcast. My name is Patrick Rolf, and this is an ongoing media project where we use conversations with some of the leading entrepreneurs and thinkers within the coffee industry to try to understand a sustainable way through living together with our new reality, COVID-19. So welcome to everyone. We're back with another episode of Coffee with COVID-19. The vision and the idea with this series is to share experiences and ideas on how we in the coffee industry can start living together with our new reality, which is COVID-19. So what we're doing here is that we're focusing on what's been happening up until now, and we're focusing on now, arguing that it's too early to discuss a post-COVID-19 situation because we need to face what's right in front of us right now. And we've been lucky enough to be able to have um, someone we've been interviewing before for the April podcast, uh, Mr. Stephen Layden with us from the UK. It's a very early morning. Um, how are you? I'm good. I'm not very good with early mornings, I will warn you. So um, this is the best time to get honest answers from me because my brain doesn't catch up with my mouth until around about half past nine, ten o'clock. So, uh, but thank you for inviting me. I, I'm well. Um, yes, uh, as well as one can be in these new and interesting times. Exactly. No, they are new, right? And that's something that we want to to really go into. And something else that is new, because when we talked last time, you were still in a position uh, exclusively working with Hasbeam. And today, you're director of coffee for both Ozone and Hasbeam. Um, so I'm really interested in kind of see, seeing how that transaction has been working for you as well. Yeah, no, I mean, uh, apart from it being the worst job title in the world, um, a director of coffee, I stand there and direct coffee around into different places. Um, it's been really good. Um, I've really enjoyed that opportunity to uh, work with other people. I think we talked about it last time, but uh, working in isolation and working on your own can be um, really empowering, but actually also really lonely. So having a team of people around you that you can bounce things off and, and take ideas from um, and take on some of the jobs that you don't necessarily like as much, I think has been really useful. Um, and really interesting, not without its challenges, you know, from, from being a control freak um, and to then, um, you know, having to share that control with other people is, is challenging. But we're just over two years in now and um, things have gone well. Things have, things, have gone, things have gone very well. And one of the things that I'm, I'm very interested here, and, and that's something that we, you and me discussed before as well, is um, when I look at Haspeed and see a company that are very focused on retail online sales and, and always has been, uh, together with that, we also have your personal focus on green coffee that I think is one of the things that you are very famous for in the industry. Uh, both of this, these we want to discuss in this episode for sure, right? but I want to start just with um, trying to gauge what was your initial reaction to all of this? Like, where were you? How did you actually get to know about this? And, you know, did you, did you do anything or were you just kind of waiting, looking to see where, where everything was moving? 
<laughs> it was it's quite funny, really, when I look back because I massively misjudged the situation, as I think a lot of us did. Um, but I was in El Salvador, um, and basically you started to see dominoes falling. So the US closing down um, any travel from you know from anywhere, basically, and um, I'd got a flight booked to go home through Miami, which I. I knew wasn't going to happen at that point. So I, I ended up having to book flights um, to Bogota. And as we left San Salvador, by the time we'd landed, San Salvador Airport had closed. And then we got to Bogota. And a few hours later, Bogota Airport closed. And it was literally dominoes following, falling behind us as we were trying to come home. Uh, and even when I came home, I think because I'd been so isolated, I'd been away for a month that, you know, I didn't really kind of know all the news that was going on as much. It was it was really broken internet news I was getting. So came back to two weeks isolation, uh, which ended up turning into seven weeks isolation because the whole country went into lockdown afterwards. Um, so it, it was very, it, I really underplayed at the time how, in, how much I thought it was going to impact. I thought, oh, this is fine. We'll be okay in a few weeks. Like, this is just the media hyping it up uh, and and obviously we're still quite a number of months later and we're still living in this new time and 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 it's my opinion that we will be here for at least another 12 18 months uh, and even then i think we'll still be in a very different place so yeah um it, it's been it's been um i, I really underplayed it at the beginning yeah when it finally sank in for you like what is the initial actions you're taking I think when I came home and I realised quite the severity, um, it was very much kind of getting down to how can we... Uh, so my role as director of coffee is very much around um, ensuring the supply of green coffee into the business. And a lot of that is done by forward contracting with our partners to make sure that they've got the security and we've got the security. Um, and I was instantly looking at... A, a huge downturn in the volume that we would be needing um, with lots of it contracted. So it, it was very much reassuring to start off with the people that we got contracts with, because at that time as well, a lot of other roasters were pulling out of um, contracts or handshakes that were in place. And, you know, I spent the first couple of weeks really reassuring those we had contracts with and forewarning those that we didn't have any contracts with that we may not be looking for the same volume that we've looked for in the past. Uh, and in a couple of cases, you know, no volume at all from people who we, we didn't have contracts with. It was very much about protecting the people that we, we, we'd signed those documents with. So I spent two, three weeks just doing exactly this, sitting in this exact room, uh, talking on Zooms, you know, talking on WhatsApp, um, just just trying to figure out how how we could get through with with no information at the same time, no no idea of volumes, no idea how much we might need, but trying to give people as much information early on as possible. If we we look a bit on um, uh, more specifically on Haspin and and I kind of like we mentioned before as well, so. One of the trends that, that I have seen also talking with, with other roasteries is that companies that previously to this have been kind of focused on online retailing 
have seemingly been doing quite okay now. It's, it's the kind of market where everyone says, well, it's growing, it's growing. It's either supermarkets or, or online sales now, basically. And what's the experience there with, with has been a bit more specifically, um, have you guys been able to hit the numbers you want to or have you seen a massive decline uh, there as well? I think I think so. Uh, to, to understand has been. I'm just going to rewind a little bit and and, and talk about how you know how involved. Like for me, it was important to have a lot of variety. It's important to have a lot of different copies. It's important to have um, you know interesting and unique copies on the site. And the only way we've been able to achieve that is with volume. And with volume, you know, you still need you still need to have a fairly he healthy wholesale. Uh, you know. Uh, part to your business now dale harris 2017 world barista champion has grown that wholesale business since 2010 into what is a really strong wholesale business which then empowers the online business to do what it does uh, which is have you know at, at any one time we've had up to 60 70 copies on the site uh, and the only reason we've been able to do that is because we've had a great wholesale business that has allowed us to have that range and and things so it, it's took a real um head change to get there yes online sales have definitely increased you know we we felt that and I've felt that across all of my businesses, you know, the, 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 you know within Ozone, within Drop in, in Sweden and within 3FE in, in Ireland. You know, we've definitely felt that rise in, in, in online uh, and it's been really positive, but it, it doesn't give you the volume. You know, we've lost such an, a, a large amount of volume. So, yeah, you can do the similar kind of numbers and the similar kind of turnover, even in some cases, you know, in the very, very height of it, it was like, Okay, this is great, but the volume wasn't there, and you've committed to that volume on a twelve-month forecast. So it doesn't matter how well it's doing if you're not selling the amounts of coffee that you're expecting to sell. How do you deal with that afterwards? So it brings its own unique problems because everybody has a wholesale arm to what they do. Everybody has a different channel that has been closed down. No matter how strong the online gets, it doesn't fulfil that volume of those other channels because historically online has been a, a lower volume higher margin business um, and that's just the realities of it yeah and that's really interesting and you're also as you referenced you're, you're in a pretty unique situation in the coffee industry being that you're actually then uh, invested or, or, or supporting a few different roasteries around the world also on different markets in these times and have you experienced any um, interesting differences in between these, or do you feel that all markets have kind of been hit in a similar way? Every single one has been different. Um, you know, New Zealand ca came out of the whole lockdown thing relatively quickly, you know, kind of came through and was suddenly in this place where everybody was out. There was no restriction, not one restriction in place at all, and everybody had market confidence to do that. Um, so, you know, we were seeing like real boom and growth in our wholesale part in New Zealand and then four cases turn up in Auckland and it's back to square one. In fact, worse than back to square one because no confidence is now damaged. Um, in Sweden, you know, we, you'll know yourself that, you know, the lockdown never happened, um, which sounds fantastic. Everybody goes, oh, that must be great. 
but the cafe has been hit so badly because there's no tourists. There's no international visitors coming to drink the amazing drop coffee. And then that was a big core part of our business. Um, and there's no governmental support. So in the UK, we locked down, but the government paid 80% of the wages of people that you didn't need to use. So you think, oh, it must be terrible being closed. But actually, it was a godsend that we could be able to pay our staff and the government would give us the money really quickly back. And then the government have also brought in a scheme, um, Eat Out to Help Out. So our cafes and our wholesale customers have seen a real boost in sales over the last few weeks because if you, you, know, if you spend, go out and eat out uh, at a different cafe or restaurant, then you'll get the government contributing towards your bill. So there's been lots of support in the UK, even though it went into that lockdown. And in Sweden, we stay completely open, but there's been not quite so. I mean, there is some support from the government. You know, staff get sick, there's instant sick pay and things like that. But it's a much, a much weaker package. Um, so, you know, and then you look at Ireland and Ireland kind of closed down really quite quickly. Um, but the agility uh, of Colin, Colin Harmon, my business partner there, who, you know, dealt with the situation really, you know, really well. Um, and we let 60 staff go before we'd even locked down. And we just said, look, we, 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 if we don't cut it off, it's going to kill us. You know, we, we have to do that. And there was government support for people who were laid off to get instant payments. And it was the right time to do it. But you know, that's a really tough call to make before the government had told you to lock down, to go, we, we need to be ahead of this curve. Otherwise, we, we, you know, we can't survive it has meant that we can survive it and we're actually in a you know a, a fairly strong position now so yeah every business has had a completely different uh a, a re effect and reaction to, to 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 the situation yeah and it also just comes to show how complex it is right and i think the more the more i talk about it the more i see it happening to to my own business as well it's it's very very clear that it is it is extremely complex right and in, in a lot of ways, as you say, which I want, want us to discuss more about, is it all comes back to green coffee to some degree, right? I mean, obviously staff, uh, you mentioned you mentioned Ireland and having to lay off quite a significant amount of people. Um, and it's been various kind of government support around the world. Um, but when we look at the value chain, we often refer to as, as the farmer to be the most in the most fragile situation, right? And especially moving into something like this. And what, what do you think are, like, what are we, what have we seen in terms of volumes, like in general, more on a global scale? Like where, where are you predicting the green coffee industry to be right now? From what I see, I see importers, uh, in, like the larger importers in general buying a bit less. Uh, I do see contracts being canceled, as you mentioned as well. I see roasteries being stuck with coffees that are now old crop. Uh, also struggling to get new crop because logistics and processing has been uh, been challenged and, and you have a very unique insight into this world. Well, what is it that you're seeing at the moment? Yeah, I mean, I think um, we see in the commodity market uh, or, you know, they call it more commodity buyer, still very bullish and buoyant. Um, you know, there, there, there's... There, whatever's happened no not everybody didn't stop drinking coffee because of lockdown they stopped drinking it in the places that we went to <laughs> you know it was kind of like the other places like or, or home consumption obviously raised um I, I think you know what i said earlier that, that, that you know there is a re reduction in volume for everybody in specialty 
Um, it, or, or certainly feels that way. Uh, I obviously can't speak for everybody, but um, there, there, there is a reduction because there isn't that independent operator that buys from specialty. Uh, and listen, a lot, a lot of customers uh, and a lot of coffee shops that I know have closed in March and will never open again. You know, they're gone. They're, they're, they're just going to hand the keys back to the landlord. Um, and they were specialty customers. Now, that will create a, a space in the market um, for other people to take those on. But are you going to open a new coffee shop right now? Because I certainly wouldn't be doing that. That's, that doesn't sound like a, a, a smart idea. So it's going to take a little while to recover. So producers are always going to be the ones that, um, that suffer from that reduction in volume because they're going to have more coffee. Um, then there are buyers, which you know that 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 that's not a good situation to be. There, there are opportunities within that, and, and I think that that takes a little bit of smart thinking outside of the box. So, um, you know, listen, specialties got stuck in this place where we supply our independent coffee shops and we supply our very small customer internet, you know, online customer bases and that's the way that we've done business and I think that we need to start thinking a little bit more broadly and a little bit more widely about how we can actually increase that delivery chain um, and if we can do that and we can do it in conjunction with specialty coffee producers and yet yeah, listen it might take a little bit of cutting margin for both parties to get it there but you know kind of making it more appealing to that grocery market that you mentioned you know making it more appealing to the the less specialty coffee shop so those coffee shops are still going to exist you know the, the ones that we, we we look at and we think what coffee do you use Labatza? you know like there's the opportunity for us is that you know we can get into those more volume places and actually increase the quality of coffee more broadly in in in, in the industry um and with that volume, that's what producers are most interested in. You know, it's it, it's rare that they're interested, you know, just in the price per pound of their geisha. Like that's not the thing that they're focused on. Yeah, that's their little hobby, you know, like their little project. But if you can give them a great price for their screen, twelve to fourteens, um, and you could find a market for those. Like that would be far more beneficial and profitable for the business um, than selling geisha at twenty dollars a pound, and you know, but only having you know twenty kilos of it. So I, I, I think if we think a little bit more broad, broadly, you know, small screen size. I, that, that's my, you know, one of my favourite examples. Doesn't mean bad cup. In fact, I've done lots of experiments where you know the screen twelve to fourteens are actually better than the screen fourteens. We used screen sorting back in the day as a way of measuring quality because we had nothing else. And now we have talented, smart producers that have access to really good agronomic advice. Um, why are we still using this terrible grading system uh, as a way to ensure quality? That's for the specialty boys, not, not for the producers that me and you are working with. You're, you're mentioning that, for example, um, that you know, that it's it's not the time to open up a coffee shop, and you have a lot of coffee shop owners that are just kind of kind of you know walk away. And I think that's that's fair enough to see because it's hard enough to have a coffee shop as it is, and then you're adding this on top of that. Is is that something you see on a farm level as well? Like it's been a discussion for a long time that the average age of a farmer is increasing, uh, fewer young farmers coming into the field. Are farmers going to be less motivated to continue farming coffee? I think it's way too early to say. I think at this point, um, 
the reactions of origin are always delayed. Like, you know, we, we go we go to El Salvador once a year. I made some contract purchases. I fulfilled all those contract purchases. And, you know, they haven't even started harvesting the next crop yet. So they're going to feel it come next crop, crop after crop after that. But actually, the, the ripple effect hasn't gone back because they're protected. Um, you know, Brazil is, Brazil is probably the next one that's going to feel the real, you know, uh, ripples of it. So I, I think that, that that comes later and predicting the future in these times has become completely impossible. It's like, I, I used to think I was quite good at seeing where the market was going, what was happening, you know, what might be a smart idea or a smart move. And I've completely given up on that now. Um, you know, the, you cannot predict what is going to go from, you know, time to time. Here in, in the UK, you know, we're, we're having towns just suddenly locked down and nobody saw it coming. Um, you know, like, and how do, you predict, how, do, how do you predict if your biggest customer is in one of those towns or, you know, so it's impossible to predict. But it is going to affect producers. Of course it is. You know, any reduction in volume, any reduction in uh, players in the market, because let's be honest, the reason that coffee prices in specialty have risen to the point they are is it's competitive. You know, if I don't go and pay enough for the coffee, then, you know, Sasha will go and pay enough or Tim will go and pay enough or James Hoffman will go and pay enough. Like, you, do you know what I mean? It's like you can't, you, but if there's less players, then there's less pressure on the price, um, the more availability, producers are more keener to sell. Um, so it's definitely going to have an effect somewhere somewhere down the line. Yeah. You, you mentioned we're moving into, uh, which I think is really interesting as well, because I think coffee... For me, at least from when I moved into it, uh, might arguing that, that I moved into it fairly late, but coffee has always been kind of a predictable business model to some degree, I would argue, as in it hasn't been rocket science. Not saying it's not difficult, but we have kind of a clear structure that most roasteries and coffee shops has been, been operating with. And, and now you argue then that there's, there's no way, that that structure doesn't exist anymore. And uh, which I agree with, but how do you deal with that being in the situation you are? Like, are you then trying to create a new system or, you know, what's the immediate kind of reaction to acknowledging the fact that, you know, the, the rules of the game has changed? I think, I, I think you have to keep trying to predict the system, but like, as I said, I think, it, you know, it's pretty impossible, but it's just keeping on top of where we are. And I think we're, we're too much still in the middle of it to decide what the long-term strategy of it, you know, the current strategy is like, let's survive. Like, let's make sure we've got enough money to pay our people. Let's make sure we've got enough money to pay our producers. Let's, let's hope that, you know, business actually returns at some point to some kind of normal levels. You know, like we, like we definitely saw it in the New Zealand market. I thought it was really interesting that the bounce back from New Zealand was super interesting. So from complete lockdown, you know, where nobody was going out, you weren't allowed to do anything. It came through those stages really quickly. And within 90 to 100 days, we were growing. We're like, we were back to growing. And then all of a sudden, another lockdown comes and you're like, boof. So um, predicting that, I would never have predicted that. And actually, until we were in the middle of it and we're going, oh, okay. So then you react to it. That you know, we we we'd got a gap in our one of our positions, and we were like, we need some more coffee on that. And literally three days later, we go into lockdown when we increase the contracts. You know, it's like, okay, maybe I should give up trying to guess this one and just roll with the punches. So I think there's a lot more 
just kind of going with the flow and assessing every day where you're at. Um, I've never spent so long looking at spreadsheets as I have since uh, the beginning of COVID because my forecasting sheets are constantly open on my desktop. I actually have like, I have three screens in front of me and one screen is just my forecasts that is always open and I'm always looking at it. And if I have a moment in between emails, I'll look at it and go, yeah, I think it's okay still. So I, I think it's become a lot more about, yeah, dealing with now rather than a longer term uh, projection. What is your, if we can try to kind of come up with almost some bullet points here in terms of like what's been the most important lessons? Uh, one of the things I'm personally have been reflecting on, which I mean, it's fair to argue that it's maybe not the easiest to predict a global pandemic, as in, I don't think it was in, in, you know, in, in, in the forecasting or the budgeting of any company that 2020 would have you know, a global pandemic. That being said, well, what are the reflections there? Like, is, is the lesson here that we in the coffee industry are just ill-prepared and this is something we should have been prepared for and to some degree have understood? And it's just the fact that the coffee industry are not good enough at keeping up on a global kind of industry scale because there are other industries, other people that have been quite vocal on something like this coming, right? But um, what what are just the key the key lessons for you here? Like, what are you bringing with you uh, from this process? That's tough, and I, and, I, and I think any anybody who says they were expecting this is is lying. Like, I know there's lots of people who say, "Oh, yeah, we've been preparing for this and we're doing that," but they're also preparing for comets to hit the earth and all the rest of it because they have the resource to do it. And we're all small business owners. We're not going to spend the resource preparing for something like this because it's a once in a hundred and twenty year um, kind of thing. I think the lessons I've learned from it. Um, I mean, and and. I'm really quite proud of how I did this early on, and so I'm going to blow my own trumpet. But I think communication has been key. Um, a lot of people stopped talking to their producers. You know, they were holding their breath, waiting to see where they were in a couple of weeks, and then having the conversation. <clears throat> and I, I felt it was really important to have the conversation early. Um, so the first thing I was doing before we'd gone into lockdown in 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 the UK. It was, I was having a conversation, like, look, there's rumblings, this is going to happen, this is going to have a big impact, just you know, brace yourself. Like, if somebody else comes with some, you know, offers you a price for the coffee, you should take that. You know, like, so just being honest and being kind of prepping them before the stuff had happened. And, and there was a few producers that kind of came, took that advice and actually had chances to sell their coffee before we fell into that you know, that real black spot, which was March and April and a little bit of May. Um, uh, so, yeah, I think the communications was was really, really important. Um, and, and I actually, there's something I really like uh, from the pandemic, which is terrible to like something from the pandemic, but I think everybody's just been a bit nicer to each other. Everybody's been a little bit kinder. Everybody's taken a little bit more time to see if everybody's okay. Um, and um, I, I've kind of learned that it's 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 really nice to be nice. Um, it, it it feels like I've been living in a much nicer world because there's been less less input into it, and the input that has been coming in has been really nice, quality, good input. So I think I you know, I, I kind of knew before it was nice to be to be nice to people, but it's definitely something that I I, I felt more and more from from this. It's um, it, it, it's it, it, it's definitely better. 
Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I think we all in the industry are getting the sense of, you know, we're in the same boat to some degree, right? And and as you mentioned before as well, in, in multiple ways, we all need each other to be able to continue to, to have the structure we have or even improve on the structure we have, right? Uh, so we need the competition, we need the new coffee shops, we need the farmers. Um, and if, if too many of any part of the value chain disappears, we're, we're all going to be screwed for, for lack of a better term, right? So we, we need well, to- One of my favorite sayings is the, um, so it's, it's one that Colin Harmon uses all the time and it's uh, a rising tide carries all boats. So as the tide comes up, the boats come up. But that must mean the other, work the other way too. So as the tide goes down, the boats go down. And I think we have to fight hard because the progress that specialty uh, has made in the past 15, 20 years is remarkable, remarkable. And, the, the, you know, I don't want to see that work undone by, uh, you know, a horrible, nasty virus that, you know, uh, kind of damages the work that's been done and the investment of energy and time that our producers have done, that, you know, uh, roasters have done, baristas, coffee shop owners have done. So, yeah, it, it's really important that we kind of don't have that tide drop down and the boats keep going up. Yeah, for sure. Let's let's move on. And I, and I know we, we discussed about the fact that it's too early to predict the future, um, but let's try to do it anyway in the sense that it's, I know it's something that our listeners and also me personally am very interested in it and still trying to have the initial conversation of what might come in the future. You mentioned the, the ripple effect. You mentioned it will take time, especially on the green coffee market. You mentioned Brazil coming up next. We all know if something goes wrong with Brazil, the industry at large is going to have a very, very difficult time, right? Like, where do you see the industry um, from, from your own kind of personal perspective and also from, from the companies you're involved in? Like, what's coming up in, in 2021 and beyond that, both in terms of this is what I think will happen versus this is what I want to happen? I, th I think what, what I think will happen is we will see a diversification. Um, I think we will see us going into uh, <clears throat> our, and I don't think this is necessarily a bad thing, but our elitism, about you know who we supply, what, what you know what we supply, I think will come down much more to some brass tacks of how can we supply, you know how how can we keep going? So diversification of uh, who we work. That then I don't think that necessarily means a drop in quality. I I, I think it means entering new di different markets that maybe are using poorer quality and will uh, we we will bring them bring them up a notch. So again, bring, bringing that tide up. Um, I think it will be there will be a lot less competition. I mean, roasteries are definitely going to disappear. Um, uh, cafes are already disappearing. Um, but with that, I think we'll see some producers kind of give up on the specialty dream. So you know, it kind of what why be part of that when you know we promised we promised our specialty producers we'd remove them from the sea market and we'd give them some uh, consistency of price. Well. To be honest, the sea market seems the only consistency of price at the moment, which is which is very sad. Um, but you know, at least you know you're only going to get one dollar ten a pound, and you can plan for that. Whereas if you were expecting four dollars a pound, but your buyer hasn't come back because he can't visit you anymore, um, you know that's going to be sad. And I think that's one thing we're definitely going to have to see a change in. And Part of me wants to say it's a bad thing because I love my travel and I love meeting all the people that I've met. 
but like my carbon footprint must be completely disgusting and I should sit in a corner and think about what I've done. Um, and actually, I, I, I think we'll see a lot less you know, green buyers traveling. Um, I think I definitely proved with the centrals this year, unfortunately for my, uh, my CFO, that I can I can still do the buying without necessarily being there, or or, or well, to be fair, I was there a little bit, but I can do the buying without being there, and we know we can. You know, we we've got cupping labs, we can we can do all of the things uh, without spending you know twenty four hours on a plane to get somewhere. So there's the, 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 trying to predict the future is so difficult, but I think we're just going to see a diversification. I think we'll see a complete change to the way that we work. Um, and unfortunately, we'll see some really good roasteries, some really good cafes and some really good producers not do what they were doing pre-COVID. Is it, is it fair to say that the specialty coffee, as we know, is dead? Oof, big words, isn't it? I don't think dead, but uh, it'll never be the same again. Yeah. You know, it's, we, 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 I don't think we're going to come out the same business. Um, uh, I don't think anybody's going to come out the other end of this the same, though, to be fair. But, um, you know, the, the, we've always been one disaster away from it all falling down. That's the problem with coffee. You know, coffee is always one disaster away from the, all the cards falling. Um, and even though this is, isn't directly affecting coffee, it's directly affecting the people that buy coffee. Um, so I don't think it's ever going to be the same again, no. I think mean, it definitely will be uh, different. Um, and, you know, as, we, as we've said over and over again, impossible to predict. It changes every day. You know, what, what I thought a week ago, I don't think anymore. Um, yeah. And so if I say stuff today, by the time this video comes out, everybody will think I'm an idiot because I got it wrong. Because I've got everything wrong all the way through this. And I think we all have. I think that, and, uh, like that's a that's a great note to also wrap this up on, right? Whereas um, I really like what you say that well, what I thought a week ago is is you know what now what I think now, and I think it, it really sums up this whole situation, right? Because I think that's the the reality we're living in right now, where it's so hard to actually make any kind of smart decision in terms of where we are going, right? It's it's the the variables we're playing with it in this industry is unknown and. They've been for for centuries. They've been extremely clear and, and and very easy to navigate to, right? So, which is part of why we're inviting to this conversation as well, right? Because it's so interesting listening to um, to the people that've been on in here because you guys have uh, vastly different approaches and ideas um, in terms of how you're dealing with it. Yeah, no, I, I I think the smart approach is dealing what's in front of you at the moment. Right? We 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 don't have the ability to long term plan anymore as we did, and I think that's true in our personal lives as well as our professional lives you know like it's really difficult to plan what the next steps are um and everything takes a little bit more brain power and a bit thought and more reactionary um and so i i feel that my a lot of my i mean a lot of my forecasts are forecasts but i'm having to react to changing them much more quickly i'm having to be more nimble and i do think this is one point where being a smaller business can definitely help um, you know, because I have different sized businesses, the smallest of the businesses can react on a, on a, you know, on a pinhead and change direction. Whereas the larger the business, the harder it is to turn and make those decisions. It's not saying it's impossible. Uh, and I think I've seen lots of evidence of, 
us doing that in the larger companies as well. Like it's made decision making a lot easier. It's actually gone, okay, you know about that stuff. Go make you know, like so so you know, early days I'm like, okay, can I can I sign these contracts? Can I finish these contracts that I kind of shook hands on? And they were like, we, we don't know. Can you sell the coffee? Like, just go make the decision, Steve. We we've got stuff about coffee shops to worry about here, and we've got stuff about roasters to man here, and and it was like okay, I'm going to have to be a lot more autonomous here to have that quick reaction to it. Um, so it's actually empowered a lot as well. I, I really feel like I've been empowered the last six months to make more decisions, whereas the previous 18 months of coming together, I was trying to be much more collaborative and much more working in that larger team, um, where, you know, a drop, we make the decisions like that. Like, there's not even a hair between the decision, the thought and the decision. It, the, the thought is the action. Um, you know, and at 3FE, it takes... I mean, a, li a little bit more, you know, kind of uh, negotiation, but a little less than the bigger group. So it, it, it's really interesting that, you know, just yeah, acting on what's in front of you needs quick decision making. Um, so that, that, that definitely helps. For sure. And, and it's uh, again, it's so interesting to be able to have this conversation with you because you have because of your position, you have, I think, one of the more unique insights into this. Right. Uh, which is as part of why you're on the podcast. Right. And I think I speak for everyone that if there's anyone in this industry we want to see a book from or something like this about what we're going through now, I'd argue that's going to be you. Right. Uh, um, Colin will beat me to that one. Colin's much Colin quicker at writing books than I am. He's probably he's probably already got it at the printers. Um, Fair enough. Yeah. <laughs> what what I talk Colin Harmon about COVID. <laughs> Which, to be fair, everyone would read as well. And, and we did invite Colin to be a part of this uh, this little conversation as well, right? But I want to thank you for your time and, and sharing um, your unique insights because they are really interesting, right? And they're more... The diverse, um, and you can share a perspective that you know I couldn't do, and a lot of other people in this industry can't do because we're not as uh, integrated in it on the as on the complicated levels that you are, right? Um, no, I pre appreciate the invite, Patrick. I mean, it's been really difficult to talk about a lot of this stuff because you know n nobody really like I I I find it really difficult to talk about it. And some points to the point of it's like can't do anything about it but why am I talking about it but like if it, it just my insights help a little bit for other people then of course you know it's something you want to do and I'm definitely not saying that I'm getting it right as that's my precursor to finish this conversation is that I, I'm definitely not 100% sure I'm getting it right I'm doing something and I hope it's right uh, and we'll all find out the other side whether whether it was the right decisions or not but um, thank you ever so much for inviting me and uh, Please stay safe out there, stay safe to everybody watching, and uh, um, yeah, thanks again. Likewise, thank you for, for being a part of it. Thank you for listening. This project has been brought to you by April Media, which is an unfiltered view on the coffee industry powered by our Patreon supporters. Uh, we would love it if you share these episodes, subscribe to our channels, and if you want to be a part of building this, please join our Patreon. Thank you again.